depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Do not be afraid. For henceforth, you will be catching human beings. The words we just heard from the Gospel, according to St. Luke, chapter 5, on this fifth Sunday of the year, in ordinary time. As you are well aware, on Sundays in ordinary time, the Gospel readings are taken either from Matthew for year A or from Mark for year B or from Luke for year C. And this year we are in year C. And the reading is continuous. The gospel reading of today continues from the passage we heard last Sunday. Some verses, or maybe even chapters, may be jumped, but it is a continuation. In the same way, the second reading within this period is taken from one of the letters of Paul. And the reading is also continuous. We have been listening to the letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, the first letter. And it is a continuation of that reading that we are hearing. Then the first reading, taken from the Old Testament, is usually made to agree with the Gospel reading. It's usually a preparation from the Old Testament so that we find the, see the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture in the life, teaching, and person of Jesus Christ. So usually, the first reading and the gospel agree during the years, the Sundays, in ordinary time of the year. But it often happens that the second reading stands alone. You may find it somehow difficult to find a link between the first, the second, and the third reading. Today, however, on this Sunday, there is very clear link between the first, the second, and the third reading. And that link is in the experience of divine call, the call that God addressed to three different persons under three different circumstances. And this should be for us an invitation to pay attention to what happens around us in our daily life because it is within such events depending on where you find yourself and what you are doing and what you are supposed to be doing, that God will come and give you some 
specific message based on a particular experience of God. We have the prophet Isaiah, the apostle Paul, and the apostle Peter, along with his companions. The book of the prophet Isaiah begins chapter 1 as if in a hurry to deliver a message. Isaiah begins immediately to give his oracles and messages from the Lord. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, Isaiah is telling the people of Israel the message from the Lord according to their different categories in life. It is only in chapter 6 that we find Isaiah introducing himself, talking about himself and how he came about this mission. And that is what we hear in the first reading. Isaiah was in the temple. And in the temple, like in this cathedral, Isaiah experienced the majesty of God. In the midst of the prayers and sacrifices and incense, Isaiah saw a vision of God in his splendor. And one thing that happens to a human being once you encounter the Lord in his splendor is that you see your own nothingness, your unworthiness. Isaiah saw God and just heard the angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And in the midst, in the presence of the holiness of God, Isaiah became conscious of his position as a sinner. Woe is me, I'm condemned because I am a man of unclean lips. I have seen unclean things and have lived among unclean people. Who am I to witness the splendor of the Lord? One of the tragedies of contemporary culture, that is the culture of today, is that modern human beings are losing the consciousness of the sacred. We are losing the sense of being in the presence of all holy, all great, all powerful God. We no longer see God present in creation. We don't see God present in our brothers and sisters. We don't even see God present in his holy of holies. Today it happens often in the churches throughout the country that people will come to Mass or to Eucharistic adoration and they are busy with their smartphones, chatting away on the phone, and when a call comes in from outside, they interrupt their conversation with God and go out to answer a fellow human being or 
while the word of God is being proclaimed, their interest is more focused on the ephemeral news, fake news most of the time, embellished news sometimes, and very rarely true information that is coming through the public means of communication, especially the now famous or infamous social media. And once we lose the sense of the sacred, we also lose the sense of sin. Because we start comparing ourselves with other persons and no longer with God. Isaiah saw himself before God and he felt like nothing. He felt like disappearing. You remember the experience of Moses in the book of Exodus chapters 3 and 4 when he encountered the Lord in the burning bush. This sense of the sacred that awakes in us our sense of unworthiness is the first step in the preparation for a call from God. A person who is not even aware of the presence of God in his life or her life will not recognize the voice of God when he calls. Isaiah was afraid. But in his fear, in his acknowledgement of his sin, immediately he experienced God's mercy. Fire was taken from the sanctuary. One of the angels took fire from the sanctuary and touched his lips and spoke to him in consolation. Prophet Isaiah, don't be afraid. It's not about you. Yes, you may be a sinner, but behold, this has touched your lips. God himself has extended his hand to you. God has seen your unworthiness and your recognition of your unworthiness. Because of that, he's lifting you up. And it was after that experience of God's mercy that Isaiah heard the voice. Whom do I send? Why I'm saying this is that some people think that God's call must be a, such a dramatic thing that comes even without a preparation. If you don't know God, you will not even know his voice. You remember the experience of the young Samuel. When Samuel heard the voice of God, when he was keeping vigil over the holy place, he did not recognize the voice because he never experienced God's presence. He needed a spiritual director, Eli, who told him, when next you hear, this is what you will say. All of us are being prepared daily 
by our daily experiences for God's call. Isaiah was in the temple. That was a difficult period in the life of the Israelites. But Isaiah never gave up, at least being constant in the presence of the Lord. And because he was constant in the presence of the Lord, he experienced God's greatness, God's mercy, and then he was sent to the people. All of us have the same opportunity. Peter, on the other hand, or even before Peter, it was Paul. Paul tells us in the second reading, look, what I am teaching you, I did not manufacture. I am handing over to you what I have been taught myself. For those who think that the teaching of the believing community, the church, can be manufactured by individuals. Paul is a clear example and a teacher to all of us. He received this teaching and he's handing it over as he received it. And he said, look, this experience of the risen Lord is a fact of history. Because he appeared to some of the apostles. And at last, he also appeared to me, unworthy as I was, because I was persecuting the church. You remember Paul's story? He had a mission to go to Damascus to destroy, arrest all those who believed in the way and bring them to Jerusalem for adequate punishment. And it was on that journey that Paul encountered the majesty and glory of the Lord in a dazzling light that eventually made him hear the voice that directed him on where to go and whom to go to. For the rest of his life, Paul, like Isaiah, never forgot his unworthiness. And he kept telling everybody, this thing which we call salvation and God's mission, it is not by our personal effort or because of our goodness. It is a free gift. By the grace of God, I am an apostle. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And when Paul keeps talking about our making effort to live in the presence of God in Christ, it is because he had experienced that mercy and that grace, encouraging us. None of us is beyond God's mercy. And there is no instrument so dirty or so unworthy that God cannot use for his purpose. Peter was a fisherman. He had toiled throughout the night as he knew how best to. Urumba na abasa organasa Himself and his companions were already cleaning their nets. And this itinerant preacher came around 
and people were crowding around him. Peter was already about to go. He told Peter, please, shift a little, let me use your boat. And after teaching from the boat, he asked Peter, cast your net in the middle of the sea. But Peter told them, told him, Oga, you may be a teacher, but you're not a fisherman. Throughout the night, because it is a night when the seas, when the waters are quiet, it's in the night when the waters are quiet that the fish come towards the shore to pick up whatever may have come into the sea. But he didn't insist. If you say so, at your word, I will cast the net. And he did. Immediately, Peter experienced the majesty of God. He experienced something unusual. He experienced the greatness of the person who was talking to him. That person changed immediately from being a teacher to being a master, being a lord. Lord, please depart from me because I am a sinful man. If you remember the experience that Peter would eventually have after the resurrection, John chapter 21. When the disciples thought everything had finished, they had been called to become fishers of men. But when Jesus died and even appeared to some of them after the resurrection, they didn't believe it was true. They thought they could go back to their trade. And Peter, Onishi, was the first in this scandal. I'm going fishing. Let's go back to our normal trade. Niha walk, Kogo. Or walk, Magaim Barbos, one chance. And others followed him. And they toiled all night without him. When he appeared on the shore, John chapter 21, verse 5 tells us, He called them children. Have you caught anything to eat? No, we haven't. Okay, throw in your net. Again, they had made all their efforts without him. And when he told them to throw in their net for a catch, they did catch so much fish that Peter, John, the beloved disciple, whispered to Peter, chapter 21, verse 7, It is the Lord. And Peter, because he was almost naked, jumped into the sea into the water. Obrosia, the other disciples, Vuraz and Obodin, Obo, Nazinime for Tagde, Nelal. It was not just because Peter was not properly clad. Because Obrono, Yekwahejik, Ibuaz, the other disciples were probably also dressed in the same way. But this was an encounter with a man he had betrayed and denied. 
now alive again. And his sinfulness was staring him in the face. He felt he could drown. From nowhere. Your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, your friend. And you would want the earth to open and so that you enter. That is the feeling we have in the presence of God when we are aware of his majesty. But he tells us, don't trust on yourself. Don't rely on your strength alone. Believe in me and follow my instructions. Today, as we celebrate these consecrated sisters and brothers of ours, there are various levels and types of consecrated life in the church. They are all gifts that God has given to the church to continue to draw our attention to specific dimensions of the life of the church, of the holiness of the church, and of the activity or apostolate of the church. As we celebrate them, it is important for us to realize that these are not the only ones called by God as signs of his presence in the world. When Isaiah was called, Isaiah noticed that God's glory filled the whole world. The whole earth was full of his glory. And he spent the rest of his life announcing this. Many people remember Isaiah and Jeremiah as prophets that spoke truth to power. That is correct, but that is not the whole truth. They spoke truth to everybody, beginning with themselves. One of the difficulties we have, one of the dangers we have as people who have been called by God, there are two possible dangers, but one of them is you may see your weakness and your sinfulness in such a way that when you have been called to preach the gospel, you feel you should not talk about your own weakness because you are you, about your own sins. How can I be preaching to others not to get angry? Always to forgive. Always to be humble to be pure and chaste, to be telling the truth when I myself, I am not doing these things. It is a temptation. Your mission is to the whole world, including yourself. You speak the truth to everybody, including the person you see in the mirror. He is, he or she, is the first person that needs conversion. The first person to realize his or her limitations and ask for God's mercy. Conversion is not necessarily about changing religion. It is about changing our way of life 
and you talk to yourself first. Nandabayans na kedi kedi kudrunguye biklego nyozo. Ina mamba kedi kedi naaria ni yo naaria bo kedi 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 onaria kudrohamu obaria legiozo. Talk to yourself first about your own feelings so that you have the courage to stand up and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. The second temptation is to forget that you are also a sinner and in your hypocrisy, you will be talking down at others. Isaiah, Paul, Peter, and all the apostles, they never for once forgot their own need for God's mercy. And that was why each time they were talking to fellow sinners, they were always encouraging them to look upon the Lord and his mercy. Let us all remember that we are fellow pilgrims, all of us like Isaiah, with dirty lips, unclean hearts, unclean eyes, and unclean life. But God touches each one of us to encourage us to focus on him and not on ourselves. While we avoid the falsehood, the false piety of thinking that because we are sinners, we should not condemn sin, we should also avoid the hypocrisy of talking to other sinners as if we were ourselves, not sinners. Pope Francis is a clear living example in this. He will always remind us, I am the first sinner myself, but I have to encourage all of us to turn to God's mercy. Furthermore, we are sent to the whole world. The world around us is no longer conscious of God's presence. If we are to come home closer to Nigeria, irrespective of the crowd we are seeing in our churches today and even our mosques, in the mosques, our people's hearts seem to have been moved far away from God, from love, from forgiveness, from honesty, and from self-sacrifice. There is a lot that consecrated persons can do and should do now to remind everybody that we are all living in the presence of God. There is an increase today in Nigeria especially in the southern parts of Nigeria, and recently in the southeastern part, an increase in ritualism, ritual killings, rituals for money, and occultism, and disrespect and violation of sacred places and things. Consecrated persons have to be able to bear witness, one, to the splendor and dignity and majesty of the sacred, but also, secondly, to the fact that our lives, 
become meaningful only when we give our life entirely to God. Not necessarily by the accumulation of material things. They left everything and followed him. These people sitting here and on the altar are a sign that you can be happy even while leaving everything to follow the Lord. But it will be a counter-witnessing if some of us also who claim to have left everything turn back again to begin to pick up all those material things of glory and pleasure that we say we had left to follow the Lord. Our country, our society is in so much need of this witnessing today. Even for other members of the church leadership, you are familiar, my dear consecrated persons, with the history of consecrated life in the Western Church. St. Anthony of Egypt, St. Anthony Abbot, and St. Pacomius, they became hermits and called members to themselves in total abandonment of the world in protest. They were protesting against the wealth of the church and church leaders at the time. The same way your lives will continue to be a protest against some of the leaders of the church who have made only the things of the world a material progress and fame the thing they are looking for. But if people see in you as well such cravings, then it is a counter-witnessing. But like Paul, like Samuel, like Peter, let not the emphasis be on yourselves and on your limitations and on your weaknesses. The Lord who calls you takes from the sanctuary part of his holiness and touches you so that when he says, Whom will I send? You will have the courage to say, Here I am, Lord, send me. The first tendency is for you to say, Lord, no, not I. But he will tell you, Yes, it is you that I want to send. So that others looking at you will realize there is no instrument too poor for me to use. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here 
If you 